Good morning, everyone. Oh, that was really bad. Good morning, everybody. So um, what I'd like to do before we get into our Bible study this morning is I want to ask you a question. We just sang these words together. Listen to the words that we just sang. I need you to soften my heart and break me apart. I need you, we're talking to our Father in heaven, I need you to open my eyes to see that you're shaping my life. All I am, I surrender. Those are sobering words, are they not? And we just sang them, right? We just sang them corporately together. Did you pay attention? I'm just asking, did you pay attention to the words that we were just singing? And then the chorus is, give me faith to trust what you say, that you are good and your love is great. I'm broken inside. I give you my life. Those are very powerful words. Very powerful words. So, once again, good morning to everybody, and good morning to our viewers that are online, whether you're online right now or 20 years from now, or you're listening via the podcast. Um, what I'd like to do is I'd like to start our Bible study out by opening up in a word of prayer so that our hearts will be receptive to what the Lord would have to say to you this morning, not me, but what the Lord would have to say to you. All right, so let's pray. Father, we do need you. It's more than just need, like, the, like Pastor Steve just said, our next breath is dependent upon you. It is. The, the very cells of our body are yours. Our lives are yours. And now, Father, as we get a chance to study your word, we worship in song. And now, Father, we worship you as we study your word together. And so, Father, I pray specifically that when we study this morning that you would reveal something new and exciting and that we would literally be changed when we walk out of those double doors this morning. That is my prayer. I know that you see me. I know that your presence is here right now. I know that you are here right now, that you are watching us and that you are listening to us and our hearts. So I ask that you would answer my prayers, Father. And we pray this because of what Jesus did on the cross. Amen. So here's the news, my church family. So Sarah and I and Lizzie have been here for about three years or so. Um, and I'm going to kind of condense this story because I want to get right into our study. But we do have some pretty exciting stuff. We're actually moving to Iron River, Wisconsin. So I got to give a shout out to Grace, Grace Baptist Church up in Iron River, Wisconsin this morning because they are watching. And so um, back in November, I got an email from the Bethel Baptist Convention, which is a convention that's in the northern tier states. And they were looking for pastors. I went online and I was like stunned at how many churches did not have pastors. And so um, I didn't really think anything of it except uh, when Lizzie said, Dad, I went to this one site, Grace Baptist Church, I went to this one site, they have a brand new building, and Lizzie said, Dad, this is in November of 2020, so last year she said, Dad, you're gonna be the pastor of that church one day. 
I was like, right, I'm a network engineer by trade. I work in the government. And so I was like, there's no way that that is going to happen. And so um, over the course of the last few months, I'm not going to get into every detail, but the Lord has totally and completely guided our path from there's no way I'm going to do that job to we were voted in, I was voted in last week to become the pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Iron River, Wisconsin. It's really an thank you. It's really is an amazing story, and it continues to grow. And I just got to tell you this too. This was not part of anything I wanted to say, but one of the issues is I'm a, a key employee. It's called, and so we were going to have a very difficult time making this happen because of what I do for a living. And so I went and talked to my leadership, both people in in leadership positions in the government and where I work, and I said I told them exactly what was going on. And the guy that is my primary lead, he's very high up, he said, he started crying and he said, I am so proud of you. I, I was stunned. I was like, oh my goodness sakes. So the thing of it is, and then Jim, he wrote back, uh, he's another guy that is in a leadership position. He wrote back and he said, we love you and we love what you stand for. I could not believe what I was reading or hearing. So these indescribable confirmations um, of what God is doing in the Dahl family's lives are undeniable. And I'm very, very, very humbled and I'm grateful. So what is our timeline? I can't even begin to tell you that right now. We're probably trying to sell our house this week, and if it does sell, then we're probably going to be up in Iron River by the beginning of August, the latter part of July, because that's how long it takes to go to closing, though we don't have a house to move into. We'll work on that later. So I want to draw your attention to this. You see these words up on the screen. You see words. The worship team actually sees words um, back there. Um, and uh, that is because we have projectors and we have screens. You're watching online right now because we have cameras. And also, let me just draw your attention to this. We have probably miles and miles and more, many more miles of cable running underneath this floor and overhead. There's three different types of cables that we have running in this building. One is electrical cable. The other is Ethernet cable. That's the stuff that we use to go online. And then we have the cable that's underneath the stage. So um, the worship team can sing, and you can hear their instruments and all of that. In back, we actually have three Mac computers. We have one iMac, one MacBook Pro, and one Mac Mini. And Koji's sitting on the soundboard right now, and he has the... Um, Mini Mac Mini. Lizzie is doing the production of the online service right now, and she's using the MacBook Pro. And then Sarah is controlling, she's my wife, she's controlling all the words that you see. Now, I just want to draw your attention to those things because those are all separate pieces of gear. So they are effective when they are separate, but they are not effective for what we want them to be effective for, and that is to preach the gospel and to help Christians grow. And so all of these things, all of that I just mentioned, there's much, much more, but all of these things that we have in this room are tied together, and they are working in perfect unity with each other. 
they are working in perfect unity with each other. If they were not, then as I speak or as the vocalist would sing or Steve was up here talking, what would happen is if they weren't in synchronization, what you would see is a very bad Japanese movie where you would see someone's mouth move and then you hear something later. Do you know what I'm talking about? And so everything has to be synchronized and it has to be working in perfect unity. We're the church. There's two things that I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about spiritual gifts and I want to talk to you about unity in the church. Those are our main topics for this morning. So if you have your Bibles or a device on hand, please turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, and while you're doing that, I want to give you a very, very brief overview of what we are looking at this morning. It, um, Paul is the author of the book of 1 Corinthians, as he is for many of the books of the New Testament. It was written about A.D. 55. Um, now, Paul is writing... Uh, to the church at Corinth, this is important for us to know, a few years after leaving the church, the apostle heard some disturbing reports about the church at Corinth. They were full of pride. They were excusing massive amounts of sexual immorality. Spiritual gifts were being used improperly, and there was a rampant misunderstanding of theology and doctrine in that church. The Apostle Paul wrote this first letter to the Corinthians in an attempt to restore the Corinthian church to their first love, and that's Jesus Christ, to its foundation. That's why he wrote this letter. So let's open this up with the first verse. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts. Now, please, let me have your attention up here. Now, Concerning spiritual gifts. So there are two separate words here, and I want you to understand that the gifts that, you are, that we are talking about today are spiritual gifts. They are spiritual gifts. Everybody knows what a gift is. You didn't deserve what you got at Christmas. You don't deserve what you got on your birthday. It's a gift. In this case, it is a spiritual gift given to us um, by the Holy Spirit, or it's manifested by the Holy Spirit. So he says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul, while he is writing to this church, he also says this a couple other times. He says this, Don't be ignorant of God's plan for Israel in the book of Romans, chapter 11. He also says this, Don't be ignorant about the second coming of Christ Jesus and the eternal state. He says that in 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4. He doesn't want us to be ignorant. What does that mean? In this case, because he's speaking to the church at Corinth, he's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant, but I want you to be mature. If we back it up through the, the uh, previous 11 chapters, we find out that he is totally correcting them about their maturity. In fact, in chapter 3, he calls them babes or babies in the word. He said, by now, you should be mature in your faith. That's what he says to them. And so it really is about being mature in our faith. He does not want us to be ignorant of this, of our gifts. Now, I want to say something else too. 
Um, we already have prayed about this. Pastor Steve talked about this. The very next breath that you have is not even your own. Do you know that your life is not your own? Do you know that? If you have any questions about that, please come and see me after this service is over. Your life is not your own. Your life has been temploned to you by our Father in heaven. And your kids are temploned to you. Do you know that? And your home and your job and your vehicles and your finances. All of that has been temploned to you by our Heavenly Father, including our spiritual gifts. And so we're supposed to steward those gifts properly. This is vitally important for the church to understand this when it comes to working together and having unity in the church. We must steward the gifts that we have appropriately in order to have unity in the church. So let's move on to this. Verses two and three, we're gonna hover over this just for a little bit, just because it bears some explanation. It says this, you know that you were Gentiles carried away to these pagan, not pagans, but dumb idols, and I put the word pagans in there because that's what they're doing. So it says, you know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. So he's telling them something. And he's telling them something in effect, before you met the person of Jesus Christ through me, before you met Christ, you worshiped these dumb idols. It's an interesting word because I looked up the word dumb. And you know what dumb means in the original Greek? This is very deep. Dumb. It just means dumb. They have, there's nothing to them. They are dumb idols. And so he says, you were carried away by these dumb idols, however you were led. And then he says this, therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. I'll explain that in a second. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. I actually kind of struggled. Sarah's like, what's wrong? I was trying to like work through this out loud yesterday because I wanted to be able to explain this well to you. And so I'm going to paraphrase this just a little bit for you. It says, therefore, I make known to you that no one, and then I'm going to paraphrase right here, who is being led by the Spirit of God is ever going to say Jesus is accursed. You can't do it. Why? Let me just explain this really quickly. My younger brother, he goes to an Assemblies God church up in uh, Michigan. And so Ed called me and he said, Lars, I would like your opinion about the assemblies of God and how the, when people speak in tongues, how's that supposed to be done? And so I said, this is the only mention of any gift that I am going to talk about this morning, and it's only because I want to explain this to you. The Spirit cannot be in opposition with our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ cannot be in opposition with God the Father, if you remember a couple months ago when I spoke, I talked about the Trinity a little bit, and I talked about the parachloresis, the spiritual dance that happens between um, the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They work in perfect harmony. They work in perfect, they're perfectly synchronized, and they're perfectly united together. They are never going to be in opposition with each other. So this is what I explained to Ed. I said, the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 
uh, 13 and 14, those three chapters specifically explain how tongues are supposed to be used. And I'm going to explain that to you right now. It's never supposed to be any more than two or three. If it is two or three, then there should also be an interpreter in the house that actually will explain what is going on if, they, if tongues are going to be used. It does not say that 50 people are going to speak in tongues simultaneously. Here's why. Here's why I answered Ed the way that I answered Ed. I said, Ed, the Holy Spirit guided the Apostle Paul in the writing of these words. He said, there will be no more than two or three people that will speak in tongues at the same time in any gathering like this in a church service. No more than two or three. And there has to be an interpreter of those tongues. So that same Holy Spirit that guided Paul to write those words is the same Holy Spirit that's participating in our service teaching you this morning. Teaching them. And so the Spirit cannot be in opposition with the Spirit. And that's what we see here. Does that make sense to everybody? The Spirit cannot be in opposition with Father God or Jesus Christ our Savior. It is impossible. And so for them to say, therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit can call Jesus accursed. It just can't happen. And then he carries on with this and he says, no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So filled with the Holy Spirit, I can declare Jesus Christ as my Savior. It's not just my, it's not just what I want to do. It's what the Spirit does in and through me. That was a pretty high voice, and I'm not a teenager, not even close. It says that, or I'm sorry, let me just read a couple notes for you. Since they were previously pagan idolaters, they could not have known about uh, anything as it pertains to communicating with a true God. And so apparently the church members that were in Corinth were reverting back to their pagan ways, and they were practicing the worship of idols. That is important. Why is that important to us? Because even believers can fall away. Even believers can become completely dead, completely dead to our Savior and to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer out loud. Please don't. Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? If so, are you growing? Are you growing in the knowledge of Christ? It says in John chapter 15, verse 5, if you abide in me and my words abide in me, in, I'm sorry, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will bear much fruit. Let me ask you a question. The gifts that God has given to you, are you bearing fruit with those gifts? That's kind of a challenge. And I know sometimes I have been completely dead, but that's me. It's not God. God hasn't changed. I have changed. I have changed. Dr. Wayne Barber from Precept Ministries, Sarah and I have taken many of his classes before as we've become um, Precept Ministry leaders or teachers. He says this, when somebody is speaking under the influence of the Holy Spirit, our God, what he says will be clearly understood. Truth will always be presented and Christ will always be revealed when your mouth is guided by the Holy Spirit. That is true. 
So God gives us gifts to be able to do those things. And he is the good gift giver. God doesn't give us yucky gifts. He gives us perfect gifts. Check this out. I want you to do a little homework. When you get home, read in the book of Psalm 139. Not the whole thing. It's kind of long. Well, maybe the whole thing, depending on your time. But he, said, he knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb. He knew exactly what gifts he was going to give each and every one of us before we were formed in our mother's womb. And so we have these great gifts that he has given us that we are responsible to steward for the purpose of glorifying God and having unity in the church. That's what the gifts are for. Listen to this. Luke chapter 11 says this, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He is the good gift giver. I want you to understand that God has given us these gifts right here and right now. If you're a believer, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you have a spiritual gift, present tense, or gifts, multiple, or um, plural. Uh, you know what? I kind of feel compelled right now to, to pray for us because I know that a lot of times in our culture today that we're like, oh, I just can't do it right now. I just can't really serve right now. I can't do this right now because of COVID or because of this or because of violence or whatever. I, let me just encourage you with these words. God has purposely placed us in this place or in Iron River, Wisconsin for a purpose. I've said this before a thousand times. I believe that that's 100% accurate and true. And he has given us gifts so that we can serve the body and we can go out into the community and we can share the gospel with people who are literally dying and going to hell. But we need to be united in that. Let me pray first. Father, I know that there's folks here right now, or there's folks online, I don't know, maybe, I think that's what I'm kind of sensing, that there's folks online that probably are listening right now that maybe don't even know what their spiritual gift is. And so, Father, I pray that you would reveal that to them. Also, Father, if there are folks in this room right now, like right this very second, that are dead, like, I don't know, you know, I'm here, I don't really know why I'm here, but I was just kind of drawn here, or I'm online, and I don't know why I'm actually here listening to this podcast or watching online, but Father, you know why. And so, Lord, I pray that you would reach out to them. You would, as the song said this morning, our hearts would be softened, because if they're not soft, if they're hard, we will never, ever receive what you have to say to us. Thanks for hearing me, and thank you for being present here now. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's move on in our study. It says this in verse 4, uh, 5, and 6. It says, there are a diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. 
There is a difference of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. I'm going to read that to you again. There are a diversity of gifts, but the same what? Say, I didn't hear you. The same what? Oh, you got to participate better than that. Come on, we're alive and we're breathing, we're doing stuff. There are diversities of gifts, but the same what? Spirit. Spirit. There is a difference of ministries, so there's a different type of ministry for each one of us to do. That means there are ministries for us to do. That not like, oh, I don't want to do a ministry. You have a ministry that you need to be doing. There are a difference of ministries, but the same what? Lord, very good. And there are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. And so here, this passage also declares, those three verses declare the Trinity in a typical but yet subtle way like it does many times in the New Testament. The, the gifts are the work of the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ, and Father our God. Excuse me. So, what prevents us, and I think I really needed to talk about this while I was preparing to teach this morning, what prevents us from doing this? Well, one is this. Here is, here's what happens, um, even amongst the church. Uh, Pastor Steve and I may have the same exact gift. There are only so many gifts, uh, according to the scriptures. And so Pastor Steve and I may have the same exact gift. Pastor Tim and I may have the same exact gift. But I will tell you this, that those gifts that God has given to us could be used in a completely different way, in a completely different time, in a completely different circumstance. Do you understand that? We can have the same gift. It's okay. But what happens in the church is we do this. I, while I was teaching at Grace a couple weeks ago, I said, when you start comparing your life to someone else's life or their abilities compared to your abilities, that is literally a life killer. Young folks, listen to my words. You do not have to compare yourself to some magazine or some TV show or people that are beautiful or whatever the case might be. God has made you more uniquely than the snowflakes that we see falling from the sky. And he has given you these unique gifts to use with your unique personality. There is only one of you that has ever been created in all of history. One. And he has given you gifts to use during this time in his story. And so there's this diversity of gifts that we see. You see, your sense of belonging does not depend on being like another person. Let me say that again, and I want you to let that sink in. If you're a person of note, write it down. Your sense of belonging does not depend on being like another person. We need each other's differences. As we go into verses 7 through 11, I'm not going to read them to you. You can read them on your own. It specifically talks about spiritual gifts and the varieties and how they are manifested through the Spirit. What I would like to do is close up reading verses 12 through 14. And I want you to pay particular attention to how many times the word one is used. We all have gifts, 
We are one. We all have gifts. We are one. It says this, for as the body is one, that's one, and has many members, but all the members of what? One body being made many are one body, so also is Christ, for by one spirit we were all we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and, ha- and uh, have all been made to drink into one spirit, for in fact the body is not one member, but many. You know, it's been said that... Um, that gifts or the best type of gift is really determined by the moment. Um, for example, if someone is sick, they need the gift of healing. If someone um, is in peril or someone is in a very light, very hard, difficult life situation, they need to know or have the gift of wisdom. Spiritual gifts are very, 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 very important. Let me just say this in closing, too, if I could have the worship team come up here. Um, I don't know if you're a cable. Do you remember that? I just talked about that. I don't know if you're a projector. I don't know if you're the camera or you're one of the three types of computers that we have back there. Or if you're the soundboard or if you're a sound cable or a microphone or a mouse or whatever the case might be. I don't know where you fit in God's economy, but God does. I want to tell you this too, that choice has a place where you can go. If you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, um, you can go and you can find out what your spiritual gifts are. You can take a test and go, oh, I'm really, really I'm really good at that, or I, this is what I really have a desire to do. So let me close with this thought. I don't know where you are on this when it pertains to spiritual gifts. Why is it important? For, why, why in your mind's eye, when I ask this question, why is it important for the church to be united? Why is it important? I'm going to give you three answers that I drafted up here, but it's, of course, not an all-inclusive list. There's probably hundreds of reasons. But the first one that I came up with is we need to be united in our theological and our doctrinal beliefs. That is, in my opinion, that's tatamount. If you have no desire or you don't care, um, I would actually encourage you to find out. Talk to Pastor Wilcox. Say, what do we believe? Do we believe in tongues? What do we believe? He kind of just, he, when, he, when, when Pastor Wilcox teaches, he did this last week. He kind of taught about, um, um, this, not spiritual gifts, but he talked about miracles. And he explained where he stood on miracles and where Choice Baptist Church stands on miracles. It's important for us to be united when it comes to the doctrine of our church and theology. The next one is this. It's a powerful witness to the community. Sarah and I have personally been part of three broken churches in this area. When people see a united church, the community that we live in, that we participate in, where we work, play, study, and or shop, they know what church you go to. 
They are present tense paying attention to what you are doing in your community and where you go to church and what is happening. Maybe it's indirect, but they are paying attention. It's important. And last is this. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says this, and I want you to listen to these words, church. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom, may, whom he may devour. It is important that we exercise our spiritual gifts and that we are united because I'm going to tell you something straight up. It's a fact that Satan is real. Fact number two, he's not very happy that we are here today. In fact, he hates it that we are glorifying God because we are studying his word, because we are singing songs together. He hates it. And it says in 1 Peter that he walks around like a roaring lion. I don't know how many videos you've seen on Google or whatever of lions eating other animals, but they completely destroy them. And that's exactly what he wants to do with us. It's exactly what he wants to do with us. And so we must be united. Let me pray. Lord, I am amazed that you choose to use your people to teach your word. You use your people to sing songs that would glorify you and honor you. You use your church in, uh, for, I, I really don't know why I've been studying your word most of my life, and I literally don't know why you choose to use the church in the communities where we live. But I do know that you do. It is by your choosing that you do that. And so you have given us the opportunity to do that. It's not that we have to do that, but we get to serve you. We get to use the spiritual gifts that you have given us. And we get to use those gifts to glorify you and be unified as a church body. Whether we're in Iron River, Wisconsin, or we're here in Stafford, Virginia, or Charlotte, North Carolina, or wherever we are in the world, the church is yours. Help us to be unified. Thank you, God, for these words. Thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would pour your blessing out on these people here in this room and online as we sing this last song. We love you and we need you. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.